Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so pleased and honored to have the United States Army as our guest today. We have Lieutenant Colonel Crute, we have Captain Tim Roberts, and Captain Eric Sanati, and Sergeant First Class Peter Davis in our audience today. Lieutenant Colonel Crute, thank you for coming on the program today and bringing your team with you. Absolutely, our pleasure. We appreciate you having us. You know, earlier, before you arrived, you had, you had indicated that you were at a high school mm-hmm. earlier to talk about the opportunities uh, in the U.S. Army as well as the services. Before we jump into that, mm-hmm. can you share with our audience a little bit about your background? And I'm looking Absolutely. at your uniform, and it is, ladies and gentlemen, it is impressive. I see Airborne, I see Ranger, I see a lot of badges there. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I was born not far from Seton Hall in Montclair, lived till I was seven, went to Eagle Rock grade school in West Orange, and then my parents moved us out to Morris County, Long Valley, uh, excuse me, Long Valley in Morris County, and I graduated from West Morris Central. And uh, I was a Generation X kid, like most in New Jersey, where there was one successful career path that was going to be four years of college, and then after that, on to uh, the job market. And so I went off to the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, where everything was going great. My parents both worked uh, very hard to send me to college. And then they called after my second year at Pitt and told me that uh, my sister just got into Duke and that that was going to be $30,000 a year. So I needed to go figure my last two years of college out at 8000 a year. So that led me into the Army. I've been on active duty for 21 years. Um, I'm a Green Beret. Uh, I've been in, I've operated in uh, 37 different countries, been deployed 82 different months operationally. Um, and was in Hawaii two and a half years ago at Special Operations Command Pacific when I got a letter that said, you're going home to New Jersey and you're going to be the recruiting battalion commander, which is where I am now. Uh, And I'm the Mid-Atlantic commander and I'm in charge of Army recruiting for all of New Jersey, Philadelphia, a little bit of New York and a little bit of Delaware. Wow. Especially in today's time, is it a challenge to do recruiting uh, considering that America has been at war for a number of years and has pulled out of Iraq? Yeah, no, it's incredibly challenging for uh, military recruiting in the Northeast and particularly New Jersey. Uh, And and thank you for asking that question because upon coming home, uh, I was really shocked at what I found. So to make a long story short, uh, after I watched what was happening, I went to Governor Christie and Lieutenant Governor Guadagno, and I said that I I really think that New Jersey uh, needs to be aware that they're 48th out of 50 in states in terms of service. And that's not New Jersey. That's not the fabric of New Jersey. Everyone thanks me for my service. But what we were able to uncover was a very, very deep paradigm. So again, when I grew up in high school as a Generation Xer, it was, military was a last resort. It wasn't, couldn't possibly be a pathway to success. So when my mom told me that, I was like, mom, my retirement's worth 1.3 million after taxes out to 87. I speak three languages. Right. I mean, I had both of my undergraduate degrees and both graduate degrees, one in education and one in theater operations paid for by the Army. And I didn't use my GI Bill because I had an ROTC scholarship through my three kids have my GI Bill. So there's a lot of incredible opportunities in the military. People just don't understand. Well, I'm sitting here looking amazed because I was not aware of all of those great benefits. Just this past weekend, I was in Chicago visiting family. And um, I was speaking with one father, and his son was walking by, and his, and his father said, you know, you really need to think about the Navy because he's very strong in, in STEM. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I said, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities. But I didn't realize the opportunities were that great. So let's talk about that. So what opportunities are available to young people in the, in the military? I know you just mm-hmm. came from a high school. Absolutely. Um, and, so, and I can remember being recruited by recruiters when I was in high school some mm-hmm. decades ago. No, it's, and it's funny because I don't. In my high school, I never in a million years saw a recruiter. I had no idea until eight months after my parents said, hey, you got to figure this out. Did I run into an ROTC cadet from Georgetown that explained, hey, this might be a way for you to stay in. Uh, But bottom line is there's 150 career fields in the military. I give a coin to students in high schools. It's actually a trick question for them to name whatever career field they can't pursue in the military. It's the largest company in the world. Uh, What people don't understand in the Northeast, the academic belt of our country, is that there are enough young men and women enlisting in the Marines and the Army for infantry, armor, artillery, and special forces that we need in states like Florida, North Carolina, Texas, Kentucky, etc. What the Army and most services are looking for in the academic belt is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, just what you said. Languages, satellite technicians, cybersecurity, the largest growing field in the world. You really can't point to or touch anything around you that wasn't either invented or tested within the military. And nobody really understands that. And so I know I'm not probably not talking to a high school crowd, but very briefly, high school kids are different. They're Generation Z. They're making different decisions. They're, not, they're trying to confirm or deny their passions, and they want to follow very responsible paths on how to get there. And they realize many times even more than their Generation X parents do that, hey, Mom and Dad, college is expensive. And I want to try and see if I can help. Um, you know, I'll just share with you one, one, uh, a couple I talked with only two weekends ago. The wife had heard me speak at Fairleigh Dickinson University. And she said, please talk to my husband. Went and met him. Absolutely Generation X, just like myself. I'm 45 years old. Uh, he's a plumber. Owns a, a, his own company, small company in Cherry Hill. One son. Son just got into Villanova. So I said, sir, uh, she said, go ahead, ask him. Please ask my husband the three questions you always ask. I said, no problem. I said, sir, how much is Villanova? He said, it's about $145,000. I said, okay. Uh, how much do you have saved up for school uh, for your one son? He said, uh, about one forty-one. I'll have the other four taken care of in a couple months. I was like, okay. He's a senior. He just got into Villanova. I said, number, two, number three, how much do you have saved up for your retirement? And uh, he said, well, nothing yet. Once I get him through school, then I'm going to start. All right. I said, sir, Villanova won the national championship last year in basketball. They raised their tuition $3,000 a year this year, and they're going to do it again next year. It's a, it's a supply and demand market economy. Um, so you're $100,000 short. And that's crushing for adults to under, or for parents to hear that right now, but it's, it's the reality. So there's an article for your listeners. It's called College Kind of Ruined My Life. And not for, sec- not for a second am I here to say that college or university is a bad thing. It's absolutely part of a young man or woman's strategy to be successful, but it's a part now. It was all you needed when I went to college. All my friends got jobs within six months after they graduated. It's not what's out there now. So in that article, it will describe and vignette 10 young men and women, one from Philadelphia at LaSalle, that have gone to college, borrowed money or leveraged their parents' retirements against the education, graduated, and are now stuck in what's called gray collar. Cannot get a job in their passion pursuit, so they have to take some menial, not menial, a job in the gray-collar world, which means it's not what they got their degree in, just to start paying off their student loans and the $300 a month in in medical coverage that they have to pay for with the $1,200 deductible. So also the part of this article talks about all the the, the parents that are crushed. 
that had leveraged their retirement. They're in their mid-50s, late-50s now, and they're worried because they all their money's gone for their children's education. That is noble, but it is not what the environment is anymore. Now, I haven't taken a breath as I've talked. I would like to describe the gray Please collar do. first to tie it all back together, if that's okay. Okay. So there's a second video, a video this time for your, your listeners, and it's called Success in the New Economy. It's only seven minutes long. All they have to do is YouTube it, and it's going to describe what has happened to the last 15 years, our millennial generation. So four things you need to, to get a job now, Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey, this footprint. Used to be just the college degree, and I'll put this down here at number four. Number one, experience. Have you done anything to learn your profession and put it in context? Have you volunteered? Have you gotten an internship? Have you done a co-op? Anything to try and understand your profession more. Number two, and this is the one that took me the longest to understand. Do you have the national certification required for that career field? So when that woman spilled the coffee on her lap 20 years ago at McDonald's, and sued them for $28.5 million, that changed the landscape of, of our country in terms of employment. And national certifications came to the forefront because the college degree does not protect the employer anymore against being sued when an employee makes a mistake. The national certification does. It's important to us because the military certifies 97% of the national certifications to equal or greater the requirement. And that's what our soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines, all our services get right after done their, not their entry level training, that's basic training for eight weeks, but when they go to their AIT or advanced individual training, they will get nationally certified. And so that's important because when I'm sitting there as an employer in this footprint and I've got four young men and women in front of me, I want to know if they're certified because if they're not, I am going to have to invest another four, six, eight months in that training and it might cost me fifteen dollars to $75,000. If they already have the certification, that's important. So what are these certifications? Engineers, you need to have project management certification. If you're going to do anything with people's personal information, social security numbers, their finances on the Internet, you need to have a clearance, a background check of some kind, like our secret or top secret clearances that we get within the service. If you're going to be in logistics, you need to have a hazardous material certification, right? Because the second you don't put that oil pan down in your trucking business or don't store the batteries correctly, you're going to get sued for $50,000, $500,000, maybe by the EPA for that acre that you need to now repair. Um, what else? Let's see. What are some other? Oh, cybersecurity, the largest growing market in the country. In fact, the judge group, who's the global leader in employing cybersecurity experts in our country, they have 30,000 vacancies in 2017 and can only fill 10,000. They don't even, they're not even concerned with the degree. They want to make sure that the young man or woman has the certification so they can apply it. So that's certifications. So to review, number one, have you gotten any experience? Number two, do you have the certification? Number four, do you have the college degree? Now, because your show is about leadership, I now want to talk about the third of the four that I hear. Now, I've been to over 50 job fairs, and I've listened to a couple hundred recruiters interview young men and women. And this is how I'll surmise what they ask for. They want to know, and, and we call it the Army values. In the business world, they call it the gray or the soft skills. They want to know if you're going to show up to work on time in the morning. They want to know if when their company gets faced with a complex problem, if you can stand next to them and help them solve that problem. Or better yet, can you stand up and take a leadership role in helping them solve the problem? They want to know if you can stand in front of 50, 100 people and command the room and deliver 
a message in an articulate way that you have their attention that they don't fall asleep. They want to know if you respect the other sex. They want to know if you respect the other races and cultures within the workspace. But more importantly, do you have what it takes inside to step up when you see somebody, somebody being violated for that and do the right thing? Put a stop to it. Report it. Put your arm around that fellow employee and say, hey, that's not okay. These are the intangibles. That's what they're asking for. So they're looking at four millennials, right, for the last 15 years who have changed their profession on average seven times before they're 35, and they're frustrated because they're now about to assume a risk. And they want to know if the young man or woman that I pick is going to be here in seven months. And so that's what happens. They don't get the job because they don't have the rest of that resume. They got the degree, but they don't have the experience, the certification, or the intangibles, the gray, the soft skills to get the job. So they have to take a job at Starbucks, Barnes & Noble, you know, uh, Target. Nothing against that if that's what your passion is in. But if it's not your passion and you have, you're taking that job just to pay the bills, then they're not building out the real experience, you know, the getting the certification or the intangibles of leadership that they need. And they go one, two, three years in this gray-collar market not getting the job in their passion. So I bet everybody in my battalion a paycheck that in the next 48 hours when they go to Starbucks, Barnes & Noble, Target, they go to re the restaurant, they go to have a drink at the bar with their, their wife or their husband, ask this question of the very articulate, well-mannered, well-dressed 25-year-old that comes up and serves you and looks you in the eye and says, yes, sir, no, sir. Ask them this question. What's your degree in? And I guarantee you, I will bet you a paycheck in this, in this state that they will describe for you what their degree in, is in and then why they're in that job, that gray-collar job, and how they're having trouble getting to where they want to go. And so that's, that's what we find. And I want, I want young men and women to understand. It's, it's not about joining the military only, right? That's not, what we're, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to share with my home state what I learned over the last 22 months. And this is what they're facing. And so I know that we can help them immediately in the gray collar. So let's, <clears throat> let's talk about that. How, if someone is a senior in high school, yep. what advice would you give them in regards to if they understood what their passion was yep. and they were trying to figure out, can I afford to go to college? Absolutely. Um, but I want to do cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend? Love it. So there's a couple <clears throat> different things. First off, to all high school students, you are Generation Z. You are different than millennials and Generation X before you, my generation. You actually were born in and around September 11th. So you're the first youth generation to have been attacked since Pearl Harbor. So you have respect for service, not just military service, but for helping others. You also remember 2008 to 2010, the Great Recession in this country, where 95 million Americans lost a job or a home. So you stand a very good chance, young man or woman, of having your father, your mother, your aunt, your uncle, a friend, a teacher, a coach, having lost a job or a home. So they say that you have developed less of a sense of entitlement than I had. I expected my parents to send me to college, and when I was done with that degree, I expected a job. Generation Z understands. They've watched what's happened before them, and they're making different decisions. They don't have that sense of entitlement, and they're digital natives. So they can confirm or deny anything that we tell them, and they can research that passion. So don't let anybody stop you. Go with your passion, just like the president's daughter just did, President Obama's daughter, Malia, just did. She did what's called gapping. She did not go to Harvard this year. For one year, she's going to volunteer first to confirm or deny her passion in the, in the uh, movie industry. And then she's going to go back to Harvard next year. That's very common. We're talking to 20 or 30 young men and women a day that are having, this, that are having these thoughts about confirming or denying a passion. Hey, I want to help my parents. 
pay for college. I want to find out a way to do it. But you know what happens when they get home? They run dead in to the Generation X narrative. The parent doesn't understand that. Like, what? You're going to college. You're crazy. So what I would tell them is there's lots of different strategies. You can go active duty for two years if you, if you wanted to use the military as that strategy to build some experience, and it's only two years. Then over you come to the reserves for two years. Now you can start college at that two-year mark and have us pay for college. Now you've got experience. You've got the certification. You've got the leadership intangibles to make yourself more competitive. And, and for that student who is yep. in their second year of university, yep. college, and they hear this, this radio broadcast, mm -hmm. how can they transition to the military to help with their next two years of their college yep. education? You're sitting in college right now, and either you know that you have college debt or it's emerged on you because life has changed. Mom and dad have gotten divorced. They ran out of money. It was more expensive than they thought. Your, lo your loan fell through. Whatever happened in life, you're in your second, first year of college. It's never too late. You can contact your Army recruiters at, at uh, GoArmy.com, and you can ask them to just do a couple things. Take the ASFAB, the Armed Forces Service Vocational Aptitude Battery, and do a little career exploration to see. Look at the 146 science, technology, engineering, and mathematic career fields that are out there. If you wanted to, you could complete your spring semester, go to basic training for eight weeks, and then AIT for 16 weeks. Now we can help you pay for college and you come right back for your, your uh, fall semester, and you're part of the local Army Reserves, where you would drill for one weekend a month for 16 hours a, a weekend at $35 to $55 an hour. That's better than an on-campus job, to be honest with you, at minimum wage. Plus, you have medical coverage, and you're able to start putting your career field in context. But most importantly, everybody knows this. You can pay for college. We'll help you pay for college. Um, so this, this approach is what is changing a lot of young men's uh, and women's lives in New Jersey. And why, when I went to the leadership in government and the state leadership for education, they said, we've got to do something about this. And we've developed this concept called Military Opportunities Day, and we're in the process of speaking to all junior and senior classes in New Jersey to let them just know. Don't want to ask anybody to join the military. Just be aware of the opportunities that are out there. Also, Seton Hall's got an ROTC department. So there's something called the Minuteman Scholarship. So if you're at Seton Hall University... Right now, you can go to the Army recruiters. You could, if you're not on ROTC scholarship yet, and you can apply for a Minuteman scholarship. All you need is a th is a 900 on your SATs and a 3.0 grade point average. Not that difficult. That Minuteman scholarship is a reserve scholarship, so you're part of the reserves, but you do simultaneous membership program, and you're part of the ROTC department at Seton Hall. So you're training to become an officer while you're also in the reserves. That's what I did. I quite frankly felt like I was stealing. <laughs> I, I did. I honestly did because my ROTC scholarship was paying for my education. That's what I did. I wasn't using my GI Bill, and I was getting paid as an E-5 sergeant at $45 an hour. So it's a phenomenal opportunity for a lot of young men and women to understand. I think – I don't know how much time we have left. We have like two, 10 minutes left. 10 so. minutes? Yeah. If you'd allow me to vignette one Please. young lady. Absolutely. Okay. That would be great. So on my second week on the job, and I didn't – look, I'm not a recruiter. I'm a Green Beret. Oh, right? if I may, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who have just joined our program, we have a phenomenal guest in, the, in our audience today, Lieutenant Colonel Crute, who's the Mid-Atlantic uh, Recruiting Battalion Leader, and we have his colleagues with him, Captain Tim Roberts, 
Uh, we also have Captain Eric Sinati and also Sergeant First Class P Peter Davis. If you missed any part of this broadcast, it's going to be up on iTunes U, Seton Hall University. Please continue. Cool. No, I appreciate it. And so, you know, I think the best way for me to put things in context is to explain a young lady. And so, I'm, and literally, every time I tell this vignette, like we just did in a high school, I had three young women come up and go, I want to know. I want to do this. I want to know more about this. This is something I had no idea about before. So I said, okay, recruiters want me to talk to this young lady. It was about a year and a half ago. She's 25. She goes to Rutgers University, uh, and she is in her third year of medical school. She's also a sergeant in the Army Reserves, the unit in Morristown, New Jersey, down on Route 80, and she drills one weekend a month on Picatinny Arsenal. She's a 68 whiskey medic, okay? And so I was like, okay, that's interesting. How did you get in, you know, how are you in your third year of school? She's like, well, what your recruiters want you to also know is I'm number three in my class in medical school. I'm like, wow, that's absolutely got my attention. So I said, can you tell me about you and the decisions you made? So she's a junior in high school, and she wants to be a doctor. Three things. Number one, she wants to pay for it. Her parents can, under, can afford undergraduate, but she knows that medical school is going to be about a half a million, and she's got a younger brother and sister, so she's worried. Everybody knows the military can help pay for college, so we'll just set that aside. Second thing is, she said, I want to use the military as a competition strategy to get in to biology at Rutgers. I said, okay, what's your grade point average? 3.1, 1250 on the SATs. I said, you're worried? She's like, yeah, I think I'll be waitlisted. Uh, many universities around here, young men that I talk to, with a 3.6 and a 1450 SAT, they're not getting into the engineering departments. Their chief competition is from outside the country. Whose, whose parents, so they have great grades, but their parents also have cash. Right. And that's important market economy, right? And so it's competitive. So she said, I want, to, I want to enlist as a junior in high school, go to basic training for eight weeks between junior and senior year. Uh, now when I come back and I'm a senior in high school, I want to apply to Rutgers Early Admission as a service member. Competition strategy. Doesn't have to compete against all the seniors here. She's a service member. And remember what I said in the beginning of the broadcast, it's important to those universities because they have to keep that certain quota up of service members and veterans. So she did. She got in. Great. But this is number three. And if your audience is not interested in the military at all, please do listen to this. She wanted to confirm or deny her passion to become a doctor because she had just watched Grey's Anatomy for the last 10 years, and she thought it looked cool. But she had never stopped bleeding. She had never set a broken bone. She had never done anything medically. So she wanted to confirm her deny her passion to become a, a doctor. I was like, holy cow. So she graduates from high school, gets into Rutgers, is paid for, has got the part-time job, has the medical coverage. But she graduates from high school, getting ready to go to Rutgers in the fall, and she goes ahead and uh, does her uh, AIT, Advanced Individual Training, where she gets nationally certified as a paramedic and confirms she loves medical. So I said, well, sounds like everything worked out like you thought. She said, sir, no, I think you, what you really need to understand is I am number three in my medical school class, not because I'm smarter than everybody else. It's because I have my entire career field in context. Her first summer of drill, two-week drill, she went to Hawaii and worked in Triple R Army Hospital for two weeks in the emergency room. Sophomore year, Rutgers goes by. Next summer, she goes to uh, Walter Reed down in Maryland, and she works in the recovery room there. Next summer, boring. She stays in Jersey, cleans equipment on Picatinny Arsenal for two weeks. Okay, she didn't go anywhere that summer. Next summer, she goes to Camp Bonsteel, Kosovo, where she is deputy in charge of the field hospital there. 
So she said, now that I'm in my third year of medical school, I don't have any fears about my profession. When we're going into the emergency room or the recovery room or the pharmacy, I understand how it all works. I understand how important it is to tie in the, the, op, the, uh, medic, the uh, emergency room to the operating room to the recovery room to the pharmacy. I have empathy for the nurses and the anesthesiologists and what they go through. So I get my entire profession. That is what allows me to be so competitive and be a much better student uh, than just going through the academic pursuit of it without any of it in context. In context. Incredible for me to meet her in my second week on the job. I've talked to, you know, three or four hundred reserve soldiers that have done the same thing. And the National Guard, in the Army, in the Navy, in the Air Force, in the Marines. The Generation Z young men and women that are making these kind of decisions, right, to not be entitled about college and how how they pay for it and, and what they expect after and to also confirm or deny their passion. That's not a decision I made as a Generation Xer. And so when they, these young men and women talk to my peers who are their parents or their teachers right now, we didn't, we didn't think this way. So it's, it doesn't make any sense to us. Uh, so to your audience of college students, it makes sense to me now. It really does. And I think that those kind of decisions are incredible. And you know what they call Generation Z, who is most of the kids in college right now? The next greatest generation. Because they're, go- they're lo- wow. going after passions. They're not going after money. And I did. When I talked at the lunch table in high school, it was be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or business, because that's what made money. So go to the best college and make money. That's what, not what these young men and women are doing. And you should see a room light up. I spoke to 1,100 students at Washington Township High School in South Jersey on Friday, and 1,100 kids stood up and started cheering. Why? Because for the first time, somebody told them they're Generation Z, and that passion they have is okay. And keep going. Keep Find the way to do what you want to do that you love because that's the key to success. And that's what our nation needs. Wow. This is uh, – I'm getting chills. And I only get chills when someone really excites me. Um, I'm, I'm a native New Jerseyan. Um, I'm from Atlantic City, New Jersey. I would love for you gentlemen to go to Atlantic City to deliver this message. Love, absolutely. Because that's a community that needs folks who have leadership skills and direction and this is a very positive message. I hope that after this interview that we'll be able to stay in touch because I'm connected Absolutely. to the community. would love to introduce you to whoever you want to Great. meet to talk about this message. We're down to a couple of minutes left in the interview. What, what, what message would you like to leave with our audience in uh, regards to uh, the United States Army and the military and these great programs, these 14650 career fields? Mm-hmm. Literally can't name a career field you can't pursue. You know, I, I would like for uh, Captain Roberts and, and, and Sergeant Davis to also say a quick word. But here, here's what I would ask everybody. People need to understand they, they should be very proud of their military. They should. I, I've been on active duty for 21 years, and I am blown away year after year after year of the young men and women. I mean, obviously I love it, right? <laughs> They're going to have to kick me out. But I'm, I am so impressed now year after year by the young men and women that come forth to serve their country, not just in the combat arms but in everything else, and they never stop impressing me. And it's not just about war fighting. I've watched our Army and our Air Force solve Ebola in Africa. I, I was in Bosnia, um, uh, Kosovo, and Macedonia, right? I was in Haiti. I've seen the great humanitarian work that our nation's military does, and that's something to be proud of. Even though the world sometimes seems crazy, <laughs> I think that I would hope everybody would be really proud of our military and understand that, hey, it's not just about the guys you know, that are doing the infantry and the armor stuff. There's a whole huge team 
that makes that happen. Cap we, have, Roberts, we have a minute left, sir. Good. Sir, I, I really can't sum it up any better than you do for the simple <laughs> reason that you uh, you proclaim this message throughout the entire state of New Jersey, and it's something that no one ever thinks about. It's something I never thought about as a high schooler because I, along the same lines you did, went to a high school that no recruiter ever visited. It took me to go to the recruiter. And the Army's not for everyone, but it changed my life. I mean, I hold, like you said, I hold two degrees that I didn't have to pay for. And without that, I probably would be stuck working at a farm in Wisconsin right now. So the Army's not just for people who don't have money. It's not just for people who can't pay for college or can pay for college. It's, it's an opportunity of the way to confirm or deny your passion, like you said, sir. It's, it's that, that avenue to get you where you want to go. Good. Uh, sir, I'd just like to add, uh, not only are there 150 different careers out there, but I've held three different uh, jobs in the Army as well. So there's plenty of options to move around. Started out as a combat engineer, went into truck driving, and now I'm a full-time recruiter. So you can definitely move and be versatile in the military, too. Oh, thanks, Sergeant Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, I really want to thank our in-studio guests today, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Crute and Captain Tim Roberts and Captain Eric Sanati and Sergeant First Class Peter Davis. For We want to thank you for your time and, most importantly, want to thank you for your service. And where can they contact you, sir, real quick? Um, GoArmy.com is our website. For Seton Hall, the local recruiting center is uh, right in East Orange, and so they can easily find them from there. Captain Roberts uh, is the NORC company commander that oversees all the operations here. So it's pretty easy to find us on, on the Internet now. We at, Hey, there's nothing wrong with going out and talking and at least finding out about the opportunities to both pay for school but also that, are, that exist within those career fields. Very good. Thanks again, sir. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership. Have a great weekend, and remember, leadership begins with you. WSOU 89.5 FM. Have a good weekend.